like like all churches. I mean, we people who were upset that we didn't require everyone to wear a mask and people to walk up to people who didn't have masks on. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. we had, you know, our Delaware campus was picketed because we did ask people to wear masks. That's right. Right? Right. We had somebody standing outside with a sign. Hey, I'm Chad. And I'm Jason. And we're talking all things church planting. Sharing stories and strategies to help you reach your city. This is the Send Columbus Podcast. Today, Chad and I are joined by the original co-host of the Send Columbus Podcast. Oh, yeah. That's right. This was your idea. (laughs) Mm, That's a little strong, I think, to say this was my idea. He says that every time anyone asks about it, he says it was your idea. I think this was not my idea. But you know what? I was glad you're, to be the original. So you're co-host. not claiming responsibility for that's what comes exactly out of it. Right. Yeah, that's, that's deniability. Exactly right. <laughs> I respect that. I don't know. I, you sh- maybe you should stay claim because we get people all the time being like, "I heard, are you Jason from the Saint Columbus?" See, <laughs> see, are like, you Jason? Well, let's just yeah. let's just say that I no one ever said to me, "Are you Dean from the Saint <laughs> Columbus podcast?" So you're obviously doing a better job as the co-host. <laughs> I don't know I if that's it. We we signed autographs once in mm-hmm. Kentucky for mm-hmm. it. Yeah, mm. yeah we no, it was at the Sin Network gathering. Somebody we sat down at dinner, and somebody was like, "I listened to your podcast," and we Jason were like, and Chad, "We literally, and we were like, what?" We literally, <laughs> literally, <laughs> our response was, "Yeah, why?" <laughs> <laughs> Which was a terrible, a terrible thing well, to say. He doesn't live in Columbus, so it's yeah. like a, I think, a yeah. good question. But Sin Network has retweeted our podcast a couple times. So that's nice of them. So. Let's go. Let's yeah. go. So we are Send Network Twitter famous. And how can you be more famous than Send Network Twitter famous? Hey, sometimes North American Mission Board throws it out there, too. Another log on the fire, boys. Another log on the fire. So we wanted you to come on because you were our first guest on the podcast mm-hmm. uh, all those years ago. I was a guest and a co-host at the same time. I'm a little confused by this. He all was, those years ago. He was. Both of them. <laughs> you, you, were, <laughs> you were our first guest. And... Uh, and we wanted to have you back on because we, I think when we we're talking about this kind of church in a post COVID world, and I think it's hard to pastor in any era of history, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I was not a lead pastor during the COVID times, but you were. So we want to know what were the particular challenges of leading <laughs> through that kind of time in a polarization that was any decision you make, it felt like, and I want to talk about if this was real or perceived, but it felt like 50% of people were going to be mad. Now, I don't know if that's real or if it was smaller percentages or what, but yeah. so that's kind of what we want to talk about first is you as the pastor, how did you lead through something? like? I mean, the rest of us are trying to endure it. You're having to lead through it. Mm-hmm. That was tough. Yeah, so I thought about this not too long ago. So I remember when, I, well, I, for whatever reason, I saw the clip of the NBA game and everyone walking out in March of 2020 thinking, man, that's weird. Mm-hmm. And then that first ripple, you know, the rock is getting thrown into the pond, and that first ripple that comes out is, hey, we may have to take some time off. And so I think in some ways the way that you reacted initially 
was indicative of the way that you were going to react indefinitely. Mm. So my initial reaction was, we got to take two weeks off? <laughs> like, I was so mad. <laughs> <laughs> two weeks. LOL. Yeah. Two weeks. Flatten the curve. Exactly, right? We're we're just going to take a couple of weeks here. We're going to, and I remember um, getting on a call with planters in week three, two or three, here in Columbus, and I was bemoaning the fact that we had lost a couple of weeks, but we were headed towards Easter, and I didn't, man, we had people to reach, and we were inviting people, and we were heading into building a building and whatnot. And I was saying, well, you know, maybe another week or whatever. And it was actually was Josh Rosentretter who said, "Um, I've got some friends who have lived through pandemics overseas. And they're saying, get ready for a year and a half. And the way that we are wading into this thing, we're just now starting. Like we're just wading in like you're wading into the ocean and then it's going to get deeper and deeper, and then eventually we will wade out of it, and there'll be waves up and down, just like you're in the... And I remember thinking, Josh Rosentro, what in the world are you? And the guy was spot on. He was. He yeah. crushed it, didn't he? He absolutely... <laughs> that is exactly what happened. Yeah. So he knew, you know, he had friends overseas who had been through it. But all that to say, I think the way that you went into it is the way that you tried at least initially to lead through it, which was for me was to minimize it. I was like, this isn't that big a deal. It's not that big a deal. We're going to be done with this soon. And it just kept going. Yeah. So how did you navigate making those extremely complicated decisions about when to come back and when to have people wear masks and not wear masks and things like that? How did you, how did you guys go about making those kinds of decisions? Yeah. I, I remember, Coming into the office and, you know, it, it felt like immediately, and I know it wasn't, but it felt like immediately social distancing became a thing. And so I remember being in our office, sitting around a table, distancing from one another, and the reality hitting me that we didn't all think the same about this mm-hmm. on our staff team. Mm. And I think that's when it really started for me to sink in. Okay, this this is going to be a thing. Like, mm-hmm. this is going to be a leadership challenge. So, um, I think that's when I started to backpedal a little bit and then just started doing research, mm-hmm. which was a problem. right i mean anyone who tried to do any sort of objective research because all of a sudden everybody's got a friend who's a biochemist or a (laughs) biomedical engineer or someone who you know knows fauci and understands what's really going on (laughs) or they've got a friend you know who's, who's in medicine or so as much as i could i tried to reach out to actual medical professionals um, instead of quoting stuff, I look back, I, I'm almost shamefully, I look back now and think about all the times I quoted things that I read that I really didn't know. Like, I, to this day, I don't know. 
Um, mm-hmm. So what I do, what I did learn is that talking to actual medical professionals who are in emergency rooms was by far and away the most helpful thing that right. I did in <laughs> trying to make decisions. Man, I'm so grateful for our team. Our team's yeah, at moments we were, I know we were frustrated with each other. I know at moments we said things probably that, you know, there were under uh, undertones, undercurrents, whatever. And, um, but man, I'm grateful that our team stuck together. That was, that was super helpful yeah. uh, for us. Yeah. Cause there were, there were a lot of things. There weren't just government mandates, which there were those, like we had a statewide mask mandate and, th- but then there were like, okay, but the churches don't have to really do that, quote-unquote, have to do that. So there was that that's like, but if you don't, are you tone deaf? Yeah. But if you do, are you a sheep? Like, yes. <laughs> you know, there's like, so there's like that public opinion of your church based on government mandates. But then there was the whole just people lined up on, I mean, there were, there were never maskers. Yes. And then there were like, people who were shocked if people weren't wearing masks yes. and you had to lead through all of that. Yeah. How I, fun, how fun was that on a scale? <laughs> well, <laughs> so looking back on it now, you, you realize that it wasn't just COVID, right? That was COVID in a presidential election year. Gosh. Yeah. And that was COVID in a presidential election year in one of the most publicly divisive elections, mm-hmm. right, that any of us probably can remember, not that they're not going to be more in the future, there probably will, but that at least that I can remember. I, mean, I remember living through the election in 2016, and I started thinking in the back of my mind, how many more of these presidential elections will I have to do before I could potentially not be a lead pat? Like, I was <laughs> counting them. I, I hated 2016. <laughs> the lead up to it, all of that, that bad. And then in 2020, I mean, it was, you know, 10x. Um, yeah. So really COVID brought this mixture of medicine and politics. Mm. And it was life and death. Mm. And it was uh, your candidates in your state um, spending your tax dollars it was handing out money to individuals and corporations and what's right and what's wrong. And, uh, I mean, all of that was this weird cocktail. <laughs> and it felt like yeah. every day there's new information and there's a new challenge. Now, I mean, like, you know, we have the opportunity now to look back and see what was real and what was, you know, kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, now, but in the middle of it, you don't mm. know. Right? I mean, our governor was doing daily press conferences. Yes. Yes. Like wine you talk about the wine. Yes. You talk about new developments. I mean, every day was like a new, yes, a new <laughs> daily press conferences. Since when have we ever done daily press conferences about anything? Well, I mean, you know, there are governors of states that are attached to Ohio, at least one who did a daily press conference and he began his press conference every day with the names of people who died name by name by name by name and yet then there were people who still questioned was that from or with covid was that 
from because uh, can we really confirm? And the reality was, no, they couldn't. So then it was, or are you just trying to scare? Because you know that was the that was part of you know the message that was coming. Like, well, they're just trying to scare us, mm. right? So yeah, it was it's crazy. It's crazy town. Um, so LifePoint was one of the first churches I knew of that yeah. went back to in-person worship. Yeah, sometimes we have conversations with people about when we went back from COVID, and they, they think we went back in May of 2021. And we're always like, actually, no. <laughs> <laughs> May of 2020. Yeah. <laughs> Which, again, is probably a reflection of mine. <laughs> I didn't mean that at all as a criticism yeah, or anything no, it's it was just an observation <laughs> but but uh but with that there were challenges yeah and i think for a while there was the mask only service yeah um and then there was the we're gonna post that there's a statewide mask mandate in effect on a stanchion so when you walk in that's the sign that greets you yeah but once you're in the building no one is going to approach you and ask about your mask, yeah. you know, so there's obviously a lot of like dynamics and, and wisdom with trying to be cautious, but also be this. So mm-hmm. how did you, cause I just feel like, I mean, <clears throat> that to me is well balanced. Yeah. There, there are opinions I'm sure Some on, would say. on all that. <laughs> how did you come to s- just trying to balance all of that? And it's yeah. just hard. That's hard. I'd, I tried to say from the beginning that we're going to see this as an opportunity to make a difference from really from day one. Like, let's go serve our community. There are, um, you know, International Faith Church and Reggie Hage is, is the pastor there. And I think he's been on the podcast maybe before. And yes. so, I mean, we tried to partner up with them and do yeah. what we could do. There were people who were not going to receive regular food donations. There were so Let's use this as an opportunity. It's in front of us to do ministry. And so that, I think, uh, postured us to probably come back earlier. My, my take was no one has to come. You don't have to attend if you don't want to attend. Mm-hmm. And um, if you would like to do church at home, absolutely do church at home. We ramped up our online service. As a matter of fact, we kind of too, did it too well in the beginning, <laughs> early on. Um, so then when we came back, we went back to our normal old online offering, and people were like, what, this is this is junk. Like, you know? <laughs> our normal online <laughs> offering. So, you know, you had to deal with that. But yeah. it was really that second wave, if I remember correctly now, and I, th- I think I do, it was that second wave that, that kind of hit in July – that where we said, you know what, we're going to offer a mask only option, a third service mask only option. Um, so that if people want to, just because by that time we felt like, man, people have been in their homes so long, you know, it, there are detrimental effects of isolation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was the, you know, the age old argument of, you know, mental health. Like, is it worse to expose people? to COVID or is it worse to expose people to the effects of being isolated and alone? And, mm-hmm. you know, I, um, you know, was privileged to walk with the family, but I mean, it was, you know, it was 
devastating to do the funeral of a college student who committed suicide mm-hmm. during COVID. And his parents will tell you to this day that it was a direct effect of the isolation mm-hmm. being cooped up. So man, there was just so much to consider. And it was yeah. information coming at you always. We, we had people who were, you know, like, like all churches. I mean, we had people who were upset that we didn't require everyone to wear a mask and people to walk up to people who didn't have masks on. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. we had, you know, our Delaware campus was picketed because we did ask people to wear masks. That's right. Right? Right. We had somebody standing outside with a sign up, you know, down and quoting Second Corinthians chapter 3, all we with unveiled face. You know, like we shouldn't be wearing masks. I could... So that's what that verse. If I if I remember correctly, I think I remember someone asking uh, Kale, we were the teaching pastor at Delaware, if the American Revolution happened today, would you be a loyalist? Exactly. (laughs) Which I thought was a really great, (laughs) uh, great question. So, I mean, talk about polar again that polarization. Yeah. Do you feel like it was fifty fifty, or do you feel like it was like ten percent, ten percent that were fighting together, and everybody else was somewhere? Yeah, I mean, I felt like I felt like it was 50-50 in terms of what you thought was right. Mm. I felt like definitely the there were the loudest voices were those 10% on either end mm-hmm. of the of the polls. But then really the other side of it is it really a lot of it came down to your local geography yeah. where you were located. Again, just hearkening back to to Reggie Hayes at International Faith. I mean, they didn't meet for almost a year yeah. there. Right. In the city, the sense among black culture about the, the statistics, about mm-hmm. how COVID was affecting them. Yeah. Um, you know, all of that kind of came together. So they were off for an extended period of time. You know, here where we are, um, you know, probably 10 years ago, we're, our county was probably way more conservative than it is today. It's a little more, it's probably not 50-50 today, but it's probably closer, you know, than it's ever, than it's ever been. Um, but it seemed like people here were ready earlier to get back together. So we took the, the mandates that were, or the excuse me, the suggestions that were handed down by the governor and we said, okay, can we put these in place? And that's really, again, where our team just did a super job, mm-hmm. super job of reacting. And instead of instead of asking the question, um, can we meet or not, our team, I feel like, consistently was willing to answer the question, how can we meet? Mm. How can we get together? Because it's that important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so COVID's happening. You also got racial things happening and then later in the year you got election. the election and then you have the whole post-election capital things um i guess my question is like for you how do you decide when you're going to mention things yeah and um how you're going to disciple people through events like that especially mm-hmm. since there were so many things that you could talk about that yeah. year how did you decide like when you're gonna talk about what things so we chose, if I, if memory serves me correctly, we chose to do a series on the Sermon on the Mount because we def, we felt like that would prepare our church best for the election season coming up. So how do we live out kingdom values in the context of where you are? So we're kingdom citizens. So that was 
Our, we wanted that to be our primary idea in making decisions about what to say or to not say publicly as far as the issues that were going on. We really tried to stay connected to the text. And I try as much as possible in preaching and teaching not to use hot-button current terminology instead call people to biblical text. So in the middle of, of uh, <clears throat> that summertime when we had um, what mainly was racial rioting um, around George Floyd and around those things, those issues in our country. So instead of saying, uh, instead of choosing common cultural Monikers that you have to then, you know, so if, for example, like take a term like CRT. That has a hundred different definitions to a hundred different people. Mm -hmm. So you can't say CRT is right or wrong. It would depend upon whose definition. Who you talk, whose definition are you talking about here? Mm -hmm. What do you, what does that even mean? So instead, we chose to say racism is wrong. Mm -hmm. The scriptures clearly say that racism in all forms is wrong. So that's the way that we typically choose. We choose to try and avoid hot-button topics that you have to, not, not topics, terminology that you have to explain and stick to consistent biblical terms as much as possible. Mm -hmm. It's not always easy. <laughs> yeah. So kind of going forward then, like looking forward, we've kind of looked back. What do you think... How do you think COVID has affected the church? And how do you, like the church, like a little more universal church, mm -hmm. maybe in our country, maybe globally, whatever you want to do. Uh, and then church planting specifically. Do you think there's, I mean, was it a, it's a blip, it's over, quote unquote, but now it's, or is there, no, these are real yeah. ramifications for church, church planting. Yeah, I think that um, if if a church chooses to talk about political matters in current political terminology, they just have to understand that pe that it may not be the primary reason people choose to attend or not attend, maybe not be primary, but it's on the grid of the top three or four things that people look for now. In a church, um, whereas before COVID, it was not. I don't think it was nearly as much of a consideration pre-COVID as during and now. Like I think people are way more interested. As a matter of fact, you know, you could probably you could probably slice up a church congregation into three groups. Mm. Like you've got the a third are 100% invested. They're leaders. They're serving. They're all in, right? Generosity is part of it. Like They're all in. Then you've probably got a group that's partially in, like they would call your church home. They attend maybe once a month, one and a half times a month, and they're, and then you've probably got a third that they're checking it out, right? And they're, they're, they're going to be there once every six weeks, once every eight weeks. And I think that back third of that, that group, um, and I, I can't remember who I was. It may have been Ed Stetzer, Ed Stetzer who I yeah. say this. That back third 
basically completely checked out. Hmm. They're gone. And what... And do you think returned? They have not returned yet. I I would agree with that. Yeah, I think they left. I think they went somewhere else that agreed with their Hmm. political views, their COVID views, their whatever views, and I don't think they've stuck. And I think they're sitting at home right now. And that's going to create a variety of crises. I didn't mean to interrupt you because you were kind of moving past that to another thought, but I, I wanted oh, to see yeah. what you thought. So yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I was telling somebody the other day, I saw that we came up on the, I can't remember what anniversary this set, maybe it was seven year anniversary of um, MH370, the plane, remember the, remember the plane that took off in India, full flight, took off, went over the Indian Ocean, headed to Beijing, halfway over the Indian Ocean for reasons unbeknownst to anybody, middle of the night, makes sharp left turn, flies out over the Indian Ocean, is never heard from again. They have no idea where the plane is, no idea where the passengers ever ended up. They're just gone. They've done millions and millions of dollars, ships, recovery, operations, and these people are just gone. And no one knows where they are. And there are so many people in church world that got on the plane before COVID and they were they were headed <laughs> headed to Beijing with us, man. <laughs> and it's like, where where are they? Are they just I don't know. They're just gone. Mm. And you know, you you didn't ever get a reason. You didn't ever you don't know why. I mean you have guesses at why, but mm-hmm. But I'll tell you another thing that I learned during the middle of all this is, um, so somebody came to me and said, hey, did you see a post from so-and-so who attends LifePoint? That's why they're not back. Like, they're going to another church. And I was like, really? They led a life, like, they were leading a life group. They They were in that front third, right? And maybe a week to 10 days later, I ended up running into them. And they're like, hey, next week is our first Sunday to come back. And I was like, that does not jive with what somebody else. But you know what happened? They made, that, I mean, it was like they hit the like button on Facebook on something and someone developed a complete narrative <laughs> of their political views, their church views, their why they weren't back at church, all based on a like. Mm. I mean, that's how strong our filters were then, and I kind of think still still are today, mm. right? We develop profiles about everybody now. <laughs> based, based we're all profilers. That, based on profiler. a heart, right? Yeah, I said that was one of, I think, the dangers of social media now is that I feel like based on the things that people say and post, and you create mm-hmm. an entire narrative around the, what yep. people think, and usually people are a lot more um, complex yes. than what their social profiles yeah. have, but you Not you to do. mention the fact that my thumbs are dumb, and sometimes <laughs> I hit the like button. Yeah. And I, I know. It's or true. Or send friend requests. Super embarrassing. Yeah. You're like, I, didn't, I don't even know you. Speaking, <laughs> of, speaking of Ed Stetzer, he, he said people are being discipled by their social media platforms. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so there's that. And, there's and that the too. Yeah. 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 So the church and church planting, what, what, just briefly as we wrap up, any other thoughts about what COVID has done to it, 
how it'll be different. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I know necessarily other than understanding your missiological context and what the grid is for people missiologically locally where you where you are. I think that's going to be critical if you're trying to if you're trying to plant. But at the same time, all of a sudden there's this incredible resurgence in my mind of people wanting to get together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Concerts are sold out. Right. People are packed. Millions of dollars spent in on arenas concerts. right now. Right. I mean, even even churches. I mean, we bemoaned in the middle of COVID, we bemoaned the death of rural church America, right? I mean, there's no way. And man, all these rural churches, a lot of them that I'm talking to that are mission focused and they're doing great because hmm. people want to be together. Hmm. I um, I saw a list of the America's 100 largest churches. Very interesting to me that the list of America's 100 largest churches in 2019 and the list of America's largest churches today, the last church on that list today is a thousand, over a thousand people larger than it was in 2019. Hmm. So in other words, to get onto that list today versus 2019, your church would have to be a, over a thousand people larger to get onto that list. I think it just points back to the reality that people want to get together. Hmm. So I think, again, just wrapping all the way back to the beginning of the discussion, people who are seeing this as an opportunity to reach people, I think will probably, whether you're planting or you're an established church, I think it, it didn't really change anything as much as it increased the, um, the things that are really important about church planting, Mm. relational equity, reaching unreached people, making disciples, like all of those things and the skills needed to do those things are as important or more important than ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I know we need to wrap up, but I do have one more question. What was your big takeaway from COVID that you learned and uh, maybe it's changed since in pastoring since COVID happened? Um, I th- so I think the, I think the biggest change for me was in me. Mm. I did not realize that I didn't realize my own tendency to live on red line. And when we went to COVID or when we entered the COVID reality and all the extra pressure to make decisions and they felt everyone like it was critical Mm -hmm. I feel like I went from red line to some days I shouldn't care. Because, mm. but I didn't realize, I didn't know why. And so I think one of my big takeaways is I enjoy time off much more now. Mm. I, I kind of have this sense that, you know, I'm built for eternity. And it was a good reminder to me that I am not my church. Mm. And, that has been incredibly helpful. Now, is that a battle I'm probably going to fight till the day I die? Probably. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm never going to be done with that. But 
I'll never forget the day in May of 2020, driving onto the property on Sunday morning when we met for the first time, mm-hmm. came back. And there was 110 people who were here that day, which for us was less than 10%. And it was one of my favorite church services that I've ever been to. And just the reminder that it was to my soul mm. of why we do what we do. That's good. Well, Dean, thanks so much for joining us. Yep. We thanks always for having love me. having you. Yeah. That's really great. great. And I will make sure that I add founder of the <laughs> to my resume. Yeah, <laughs> put that on the bottom of your, uh, your signature too. You could put it on your signature. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really grateful for you guys. Grateful for all you do. Thank you too.